Today on episode 431 of I Am Salt Lake Podcast, we are joined by Mindy Vincent. For those of you that might not know who Mindy is, she is a therapist here locally. She is the founder and executive director at Utah Harm Reduction Coalition. She does a podcast called Therapeutic Madness, and she is the one that's behind the penis mask that you might have seen here in the news recently. What a story that was. This was a fun conversation that we had with her. We're going to get into that here in just a minute. Let's introduce ourselves, though. Let's introduce the host of the show or the two hosts of the show. My name is Chris Hollifield. And my name's Chrissy Hollifield. Hey, so what is this, like week seven of quarantine, sort of? Like like day one of quarantine, but also day 5,096. Well, you know, because you know, they lifted it a little bit. The state of Utah lifted it from like a red to an orange. So a few stores, more stores yeah. are opened up, a few restaurants and stuff, barber shops. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Oh, out, oh, Salt Lake City Dreadlock Shop is reopening. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't I'm still being cautious, though, Chrissy. I still yeah. kind of want to hang back and kind of watch from, from the sidelines, you know, maybe go out here and there for, for a few grocery items but I think uh, that's the way to do it I mean if you don't need to why go out exactly exactly if this is your first time listening to this podcast you might be asking yourself what it's all about well this podcast is all about showcasing awesome people right here in Salt Lake City Utah we talk to business owners comedians authors tattoo artists restaurant owners breweries really anyone that might have a cool story to share Hey, if you want to support this podcast, a really easy way to do that is to head on over to supportsaltlake.com and support one or all of the amazing businesses that support this podcast. We are really lucky. We have some amazing sponsors and supporters, Market Source Real Estate. Chrissy was talking about Salt Lake City Dreads, Salt Lake City Barber Company. They're opening back up here soon. I mean, we got some great supporters, supportsaltlake.com. Let's get into that conversation that we had with local therapist Mindy Vincent. She was a great time to talk to, really great conversation. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the conversation. Did you grow up here in Utah or where did you grow up, Mindy? I did grow up in Utah. I was born up in Bear Lake, Idaho, but I've lived in Utah since I was three. And I grew up out in Magna until I was about 12. And then I, and then the rest of my years, I grew up in Holiday. Ever, did you ever venture out of Utah at all or just kind of stuck around, never went to school out, outside of Utah or anything? Well, funny story. <laughs> so being a person who's a recovered addict, I have a super colorful history, which oftentimes prohibited me from leaving the state of Utah. Oh, yeah, that, that would do it. So nope, I didn't get to travel for a really long time. I went on my first airplane when I was like 20, and it was on a fake ID. So I didn't really get to start traveling until years later when I got sober. So, I mean, do you ever regret it? Do you wish you lived outside of Utah? Or you're kind of happy here now, I guess. I love Utah and, you know, I'm, I'm a, I come from the typical more like culture here, right? So like Utah is what I know and it is what I love. I love this state. There's some really crazy things about it sometimes, but I wouldn't want to raise my children anywhere else. My whole family's here. I can't imagine living somewhere besides here. And I go other places and sometimes I'm like, wow, these people are a bit crazy <laughs> because I'm just used to my crazy. You know yeah, what I mean? Yep. Here I know what to expect. <laughs> <laughs> when, did, when did you get the idea to become a therapist then? So you had this like kind of, uh, sounds like you used to drink a lot, right? In the beginning, beginning uh, early days of your life. No, I used to shoot meth a lot. Okay. Actually. Okay. Yeah. That's a pretty tough, uh, tough obstacle to get off of. It is. 
It is, especially considering like I started using really young. I started using when I was like 12, 13 years old and I was homeless and I didn't have, I was in a lot of trouble with the law a lot, you know, because I was declared ungovernable and I was put in foster care systems and things like that. So when I started using meth all the time, it was because I was homeless and I wasn't even old enough to have a job. So I didn't have any money for food or anything. And meth makes it so you don't have to sleep or eat. So that was like a perfect solution for me. And then people wonder why I became a drug addict. And it's like, well, what else does a 15 year old do in those circumstances? You know? Yeah. What made you want to get clean then? Um, you know, just through like for most people, right through the course of addiction, there's a lot of negative consequences to that. And there was lots of negative consequences in my life. And when I had my son, when I was 23, I had every intention of being sober and like being the best mom in the world. And I didn't have the coping skills to be able to do that, you know, and, and ultimately my son was the biggest motivator for me to get sober. And I got sober for the, I finally got sober, sober, you know, when he was six. So it took some failed tries. But how cool that you like kept getting up and keep trying. That's the thing that we all need to keep doing. Yes. And last week I celebrated 13 years clean from my drug of choice. So congratulations. And if I can do it, anybody can. I actually remember seeing that post on Facebook now. My bad for, uh, for going blank on that. That's a, that's awesome. That's a whole, hopefully you celebrated, right? Got a piece of cake or something. Right? I don't know how you celebrate now, but, uh, is that kind of what got you into being a therapist then is kind of overcoming the, it, overcoming and, the addictions and dealing with the drugs and whatnot? That was part of it. So originally, so I think I was just born a social worker. Like I was just born a social justice warrior my whole life. When I have seen something that I thought was unjust or unfair, you know, I speak up about it, you know, and some people don't like that about me, but that's okay. So when I, got sober the first time um, when my son was like three. I wanted to go to law school, um, but then I ended up with in some trouble with the law that prohibits me from practicing law. And so then I took an intro to social work class and my fire just exploded and I knew that was what I was supposed to do. That's so cool. It's actually the rest that like I like to do group, especially like group therapy, but it's actually all the other work as a social worker that I love the most. Where did you go to school at? The University of Utah. I got my master's of social work at the University of Utah, and then I went back and got my master's of public administration in their executive program. Holy cow. Good for you. Thank you. That's awesome. They wouldn't have me again, but that's okay. <laughs> and where <laughs> where are you practicing therapy? You're out in Heber, aren't you? So I live in Heber. So I have a private practice here in Heber. And then I'm also the founder and executive director of the Utah Harm Reduction Coalition. And we have an outpatient treatment program in Midvale, but we're all doing it virtually right now because of the current circumstances. And we also have the largest syringe exchange in the state. And I started the first legal syringe exchange in the state of Utah. How did, how did that go over, actually? I'm, I'm actually very intrigued by that because from what I understand, it's a great program. But then I've heard, and I don't know if it's just a Utah thing, but all these pe- people I've heard from say it's a horrible thing. So I don't understand why it would be a good <laughs> Why it would be a bad thing, right? Like it's a clean needle. So people who think that it's bad, it's because they believe that it enables drug use. But it's kind of like sex ed versus no sex ed. Right. They're like, well, if we just don't talk about it, it won't happen. Well, then that's how we end up with a ridiculously high teen pregnancy rate. You know, you have to give people safe options. 
Absolutely. People without good information make bad choices, right? And people who are using substances, they're using them regardless of what I say, what you say, what society says, because they're trying to medicate a trauma and a pain and a lack of coping skills and things going on in their life, socioeconomic factors that you and I can't just fix for them, right? And if they had a better coping skill, they would use that. Exactly. And so syringe exchange, people are like, oh, it enables drug use. It doesn't. What it enables is people to not die from drug use. It enables people to not get sick and infected with different diseases. You know, that's what it enables. It enables safe drug use rather than unsafe drug use. How does it exactly work? Like how do, I mean, now that we have you on the podcast to talk about it for just a second, like say I would, would I just come in or well, not me, I'm not going to be coming in. Don't worry. (laughs) Yeah. Well, how would you plan Chris, if you want to, you're welcome. (laughs) No, but, but, but so that way people listening can even understand how the program really works. So, I mean, they just come in and they kind of, do they have to see a counselor or. So for syringe exchange, people come We have different locations, like we have one inside the 4th Street Clinic, we have one at the Pride Center, we do several, like on North Temple, and we used to do them by Pioneer Park. So people come to our exchanges, they have to bring proof of residency, which can be one of 14 different types of documents, because we're funded by, well, we were originally funded by Ryan White HIV funding. We're not now, now we're funded by state opioid response money, but We kept the protocol the same. So people still demonstrate that they're a resident of Utah. We gather all of their identifying information, which is confidential. We don't release it to anybody. We don't share with law enforcement. And then we do a risk assessment on them. We offer them free HIV and hepatitis C testing. We make a service plan with them, which looks similar to like a treatment plan where they identify at least two goals of things that they would like to work on, things that we can help them with. And then we follow up on those goals every month. And people have to bring at least one syringe. And then as long as they have one syringe, we can exchange for them. And then we exchange them. If it's their very first time, they get like 30. But if it is other than that, they get a one-for-one plus. Because the law requires us to distribute them in their their sterile, unopened packaging. So then we have to distribute them in bunches of 10. So when somebody turns in 22, they get 30 back. Does that make sense? It's rounded up. Oh, right. You can't just do one-offs. This sounds like such a great idea. What about people, though, who um, do you ever have homeless people or people who are not here legally who need help who come to you? Yes. And we'll help them anyway. That's awesome. We just not, we're not able to bill for it. But OK, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But I mean, data is very important to me. Mm-hmm. You know, but I mean, both of my degrees are research oriented and data is very important to me. And so gathering that data and doing those risk assessments and seeing where people are from, it's very important in showing people that the need is here and that it did not come from other states because former Speaker Hughes took me to breakfast right before Operation Rio Grande and told me we're doing Operation Rio Grande and it's going to destroy your syringe exchange. I appreciate him telling me that. Wow. Right. (laughs) Yeah. But he was also telling me that, you know, syringe exchange enables drug use and um he calls our little kits the what is he calls them the party pack oh geez yeah and so um and he was telling me he said these people that you're serving the the people experiencing homelessness here in utah they're not from here they came from other states and they heard about how great our services for homeless people are here and so they all flock here and i literally laughed out loud i was like that's the most insane thing i've ever heard so after that 
We then made it mandatory to not only find get their demographic information currently, but also we asked them, what county are you originally from? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, and guess how many, in all the time I was at Turns Exchange and asked that question, guess how many people were from out of state or, out, well, from out of state period? Probably, well, let me think, 2%. Two people, period. Oh, oh two, two people. Two people, period. Out of how many people? One wow. from Tennessee and one from Mississippi. Oh, wow. wow. In fact, I called the guy Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> Easy to remember. Yeah. So these are Utah, these are people from Utah that, you know, the Utahns that need to be served and that's who we serve. We'll serve anybody, but people think that it's people from somewhere else. And no, these people are from here. Right. And it's important to have the data to back that. Yes. And to show that people's behaviors over time change when they're given, you know, options and opportunities to make different and better choices, healthier choices. Yeah. You know, we're able to track all of that, as well as it's the law that we offer free HIV and hepatitis C testing and linkage to care, as well as linkage to substance abuse treatment free or low-cost substance abuse treatment. So we help people get signed up with Medicaid. We get them up to the U to get free hepatitis C treatment. They can get linked in with HIV treatment. That's so great. How do you do it all? Oh, staff. <laughs> no, and that that helps. I mean, are you pretty good at, at like delegating? You know, you're kind of uh, to kind of delegate and have people do other stuff instead of being the type that likes to do it all themselves? Yes. For the first I started UHRC in July of 2016, and syringe exchange became legal December 1st of that year, which is also World AIDS Day. And since that time, we've been able to grow enough that I've been able to hire a program manager for syringe exchange. I have other employees that work at syringe exchange. We have a clinical director, therapist. So luckily, I'm able to have other people do all of that work so I'm able to just do the executive director work. And as well as do these penis masks, these... Full-time these, therapy mom, director, <laughs> and penis masks. That's what... so and penis mask wearer. You, you have a mutual friend of ours, uh, Brittany, who connected us. I mean, we, you and I have been Facebook friends. And I remember seeing this article floating around about middle of April. I mean, really not very long ago. I remember when you saw that article, Chris <laughs> ran into the bedroom and he's like, oh my gosh, this is brilliant. You have to see this. And <laughs> was so excited. It was, it was, it's really, really clever. Well, thank you. I, I wish that I had been the one who originally came up with the penis mask. Did you know where I bought it? Yeah. Tell, tell us, well, share us, tell us how it all happened. <laughs> well, so because we do syringe exchange, right. And you couldn't get masks anywhere. And my staff, like our services, not only are they deemed essential, but they are essential, right? yeah. you know? And so my staff has to be out there and I needed some kind of PPE for them. So I was looking on Amazon to get any kind of masks I could find. And I see these ones and they're going to come the fastest. And it says not penis mask, flower mask or something like that. You know, and I'm like, oh, my God, they're little penises. Well, that's adorable. (laughs) So I ordered some for me, my kids and my staff. And then because my kids and I were going to Mexico. So I was like, you know, and you can turn it around the other way because my 10 year old doesn't want to wear penises on her face. She can laugh at them, but it doesn't mean she wants to yeah. wear them. So um, anyway, so these masks like took forever to get here, which is how I figured out they came from China, which I feel good about because, you know, the Chinese have been wearing masks on their face since like 1979. So yeah, true. I feel fine about buying masks for coronavirus from them. So they, these masks get here. I just you know, put it on and took a picture. And then that night before I went to bed, I was like, oh, I should post that on Facebook because I'm hilarious, right? <laughs> I post it on Facebook. I wake up in the morning 
and my picture has like 300 likes or something, you know, which is, you know, I have pictures that get 300 likes. So I was like, oh, people think my penis mask is funny. Ha ha ha. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I start seeing it get shared and shared and shared. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And I, and I called my son. My son's 19. I called my son. I was like, Nick, dude, I think I'm going to go viral. And he's like, yes, mom, I'm sure you are. You know, like, <laughs> he's just like, like, if he'd have been here in person, he'd been patting me on the shoulder and being like, yes, mom. Good job, so, mom. Yes. And then it starts like jumping so many shares. Like every, if you even refresh the page, it would jump up like by the dozens. And then it starts jumping by the hundreds and then the thousands. And at 150,000 shares, my son called me and he was like, mom, we have got to see if we can get this material and we need to see if we can get these masks made and sell them so that you can raise money to get masks for all of your clients because almost all of our clients are experiencing homelessness. Oh, yeah. And so, and I was like, Nick, that's going to raise, it's going to raise more money than that. So to date, we have raised a little over $100,000 net for the Utah Harm Reduction Coalition. That is so great. Now you're still making these masks, right? The material just got here. So I just dropped it off actually today at the mask maker. And um, so now every day we'll be picking up the masks and starting to send them out. So over the next two weeks, we'll have all the masks sent out, which is great because then the emails will stop from all the people who don't watch the videos or the many posts that I put up. Because this episode is going to be going up Sunday night, this upcoming Sunday night uh, for, oh, for, for a normal release. So, I mean, this is going to be pretty much about as quick of a turnaround as I've had on this podcast. So our listeners can uh, get one of these masks, right? Where would they go to get one? So they just go to the www.utahharmreduction.org. And we have a link right there on the front page that says Corona Mask. Okay. or Project Penis Mask, or something like that. So there's a link right there, and you go on that link, and then you can order them. Hey, are you looking at finally getting out of the rent game and finally buying a house of your own? Are you thinking of maybe moving to Salt Lake City? Well, you need to contact our good friend Monique at Market Source Real Estate. Fun fact, she actually helped us find the house that we're recording this podcast in right now. And for almost 20 years, Market Source Real Estate has been specializing in helping people just like you and me buy and sell homes in the Sugar House as well as the greater Salt Lake area. Market Source Real Estate has a background in flipping houses and they've owned almost 20 homes themselves. So they really know all the ins and outs of older homes if older homes are your thing. And they're totally my thing, which is why I love the house we got with them. If you're looking to sell your home, Market Source Real Estate specializes in helping sellers update or repair their homes to increase their value and make sellers more money. All right. So like I said, if you're looking to move to Salt Lake City, if you're looking to get out of the rent game and finally owning a home of your own, contact our good friend Monique at Market Source Real Estate. I'm going to give you her number, 801-810-6773. Their website, thinksaltlakecity.com. You're going to find also a lot of cool information about Salt Lake City there. Thinksaltlakecity.com. Thank you so much, Market Source Real Estate, for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Let's get back into that conversation with Mindy Vincent. In Utah Harm, Harm Reduction Coalition, that's kind of, that's your nonprofit, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's and and that's what you were talking about with the syringe exchange and and whatnot. Yep, and the outpatient treatment. and Yeah, because I was kind of curious, like, why you pick them to donate to, but that makes sense if you're there. And how many, so how many masks are going to be available? Like, is there going to be a limit? I think I read that there was a limit, wasn't there? Well, we had, <laughs> so they took off so crazy that we ended up, like, going back and getting more material, more material. So we have, 
enough to make a total of 12,700 masks. And we've sold over 9,000. Okay. Wow. Okay. I told Chrissy she it's needs probably one. closer to 10,000 now. And they're like 20 bucks, right? Yeah, right. I totally need one. That's ridiculous. Ridiculous. They're fantastic. All the boob ones are sold out. We had people start oh. requesting vaginas and boobs. And so I got them. I got excited <laughs> when I saw the boob fabric. I was like, I want the boobs. But I know. And I feel gone. like people think boobs are more appropriate. So they're like, I can wear boobs in public. <laughs> they're a little bit safer. Yeah. How did that go over here in Utah, though? I mean, it, ah. especially in Heber, right? Like that is a little still more t- small town out there. It is. You know, what's so funny is that, you know, when I went viral, people reached out from all over the world. Like I'm huge in Japan. I'm huge right now in Germany and Italy Wow. <laughs> and Brazil, which is hilarious. Right. So like all of this is going crazy all over the world. And the media here in Utah did not pick it up. Like it was like a week before I got a call and I only got a call from one media person and it was Jim Spiewak from KUTV. And he called and he's like, I answered the phone like, hey, Jim, he's like, Mindy. And I was like, I know, right? (laughs) And he he was like, I was like, you are calling about the penises on my face, right? He's like, yeah. And I never thought that would be a conversation we have. (laughs) And he he said, I'm going to write a story about it, but I don't know if they're, I know for sure they won't play it on TV, but I don't know if they'll even put it on the website. And within the hour that it was on the website and had hundreds of comments and hundreds of shares. But I don't know if KUTV was going in and deleting the negative comments or what, but I'd see some people go in and say, like, talking about people's negative comments, but then I'd look at the comments and there was hardly any negative comments. But the only negative comments I did see throughout the whole world, I kid you not, like, all but five of them came from Utah. Wow, that's impressive. What about, though, when you're out and about? Though that's what I'm curious of. Nobody says a thing, Chris. Nobody says a thing. Really? And, yeah, nobody says anything because I don't think, one, I don't think people can tell that they're penises, first of all. And when people can tell, if I'm close enough to them that they can tell, I don't know if they just don't, you know, pun intended, have the balls to say something or yeah. if they, you know, I don't know what it is. But finally, at the Petco that I talked about in that post, I was at that Petco, Petco with the mask on and the kid behind the counter was like, Ma'am, do you know that you have penises on your face? <laughs> and I said, yes, I do. And the other guy was like, oh, my gosh, my girlfriend sent me your picture. And then everybody in Petco was excited because the penis mask lady was there. That's so awesome. <laughs> of course, a kid a kid would totally pick it out and say it just to your face. I see. And I don't know, man. And when I'm out and about, like at the grocery store, I want to get in and out. I am not looking at anybody. I'm well, just I, think, like, I think maybe that's why there are not a lot of comments in person, because it's like we're trying to stay six feet away And even if you want to talk to someone, it's kind of like socially inappropriate right now because you're getting too close to each other. You know, that could be a lot of it. But they're also, they're not huge penises. And wait till you guys see the vaginas. Like it would take an OBGYN standing right at your face to tell you those are bulbous. (laughs) Like I'm not even kidding. I have my own vagina and I couldn't identify them if I saw them. (laughs) It's true. I saw the fabric and I had to kind of lean into the screen and, and squint. (laughs) <laughs> we do see them in real life. The vaginas are even smaller. And it's like, wow, those are tiny vaginas. So I don't think anybody's going to have a problem with those. But even the penises are like, they're not huge. So I, when people are like, oh, what about the children? It's like, well, first of all, 
If your child, like if your five or six year old recognizes these penises, they've seen something in your porn drawer that has nothing to do with me, (laughs) you know? And if they're 11 or 12 and they know their penises, guess what? It's because they're already touching their own and stop making them feel ashamed of it. You know, that's the big thing. Like stop shaming, Mm -hmm. especially kids. Yes. It's like, it's just a penis. Calm down. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Salt Lake City Dreadlock Shop. The Salt Lake City Dreadlock Shop's mission is to make Utah cool one dreadlock at a time while offering a clean, affordable, and professional experience filled with love and understanding. Now, while they've had to kind of close down like everybody has over the time where we're self-isolating, they're actually getting to open back up this week. And I am so excited because I get to go back in for my redo my dreads tightening appointment. I don't know what they're called, but I'm so excited. And while we were on lockdown, maintenance, maintenance, that's like, yes, dreadlock maintenance. And while I couldn't go to them, they were actually posting things on their social media about how to keep your dreads up. I followed some of their tutorials and was able to really manage it on my own. But I'm so excited that they're opening up, not only because they're talented, because I love being there. If you've always wanted dreads, now is the time to get in touch with them and see what they can offer you. All you need to do is text them a picture of your hair, 801-824-8298, include what you're looking for and your name, and just wait for a response. They'll text you back as soon as possible, and they are so helpful with any questions that you might have. I cannot recommend Salt Lake City Dreadlock Shop enough, and I would love to thank them for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. How did you luck out by finding the same fabric, though? That's, that's kind of wild. I know, right? It's crazy. And guess what? That fabric is made here in the U.S. Like, I got it from North Carolina. That's cool. Yeah. So, and then the company making the cost or the masks here. So, I called, I have a podcast, Therapeutic Madness. And the guy who produces my podcast, his name is Trip. And I called him and I was going viral. And I was like, Trip, I'm going viral. And this is my son's idea. I'm putting all the old ladies in my life to work. They're going to start sewing masks. And he's like, Mindy, that's a lot of masks. And he's like, it just so happens I'm waiting for a call from my friend John and he owns a costume shop and now they've switched to making masks and he used to be the jazz bear and I bet he could make your mask for you. So like within a few minutes, I was hooked up with John and he's making the masks and I was just so excited because he was the jazz bear and I'm a huge jazz fan. Yeah. (laughs) So I was like, oh my God, it's the jazz bear. I couldn't even pull it together to tell him about the (laughs) mask. I need to get him on this podcast. Maybe you can put a good word in for me. <laughs> I definitely could. That guy does a lot of great work and he spends a lot of time raising money for charities. And like he didn't even hesitate to find a way to make this happen for us. Because it's not, I mean, to call and be like, hey, can you make us 13,000 masks? <laughs> like yeah. right away. <laughs> you know, and, and he just, he believes in charity and he believes in good causes. And he's a good guy. And the universe loves us and aligned all this. And when people, I tell people, you know, God is the one who made all this happen, you know, so if you're upset, talk with him about it. I can't make things go viral. I can't make everything in the world align for all of this to happen. Honestly, like if this hadn't happened, it's so crazy because if this hadn't happened, like UHRC wouldn't even be able to function right now. Like we raised that money right in time to be able to make payroll. Like it has been such a struggle to have this nonprofit since the day it started. Like I have to regularly transfer my money that I earn from my private practice into the UHRC account to cover payroll for my employees. And, and at the time that this happened, I was UHRC owed me four paychecks, you know? So like all of this just happened so perfectly and so beautifully 
to enable us to continue to provide these services that are so needed and sometimes hated. It's so great because you're putting yourself in the position to be ready when opportunity presents itself. I'd like to think that. Yeah, for sure you are. (laughs) Yeah, like you said, it's lining up, but it's because you're doing the hard work ahead of time, too. Well, and the universe just really does provide for me, you know. Yeah. I'm not a religious person, but I am a spiritual person, you know, and And I tell people, you know, I'm doing God's work. Like, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do to make the world a better place. And you can hate it all you want, but nothing you ever do to get in the way will ever work. Mm -hmm. Because there's something much more powerful that's working on this than me or you, you know? Yeah. Let's uh, let's talk about mental health, especially with everything going on right now with the coronavirus. Uh, it's kind of the elephant in the room. It's interesting, you know, on Facebook, you don't see a lot of talk about mental health and anxiety, at least amongst my friends. I don't know, maybe... Maybe yours are different. You know, Chrissy. I have a lot of girlfriends, and so I think we're a little bit more open with our with uh, our emotions. So I mm. do have a lot of friends posting that they're not okay. I got female friends yeah. on Facebook. Well, yeah. I know you do, but come on. I don't. Do you see much people talking about it, Mindy? Oh my gosh, yes. So first of all, when all this like started happening, of course, like my private practice went crazy, right? And our outpatient went crazy, and then the earthquake. When the oh, earthquake man. hit, that caused a lot of people to go into panic, mm-hmm. you know, and then, but on top of it, you know, we're all being so isolated, you know, like I'm an extrovert. I miss people so much. Like I put up a meme that said something about, you know, when the, all this is over, I'm hugging everyone. <laughs> that is no shit. Like when I'm going to hug people who make eye contact, I'm going to hug people just to say thank you <laughs> because I just miss people. Right. And so for people who struggle with depression and anxiety, this is like a worse nightmare from a therapist's perspective, because then they're being forced to isolate. They're being forced to disconnect from the people who provide support in their life. Some of them are losing their jobs, their livelihood, everything that matters to them. Some are still having to go to work and work for minimum wage every day and be exposed, possibly be exposed to coronavirus and have no health benefits. You know, so there's a lot of stressors that are going on for a lot of people. And on top of it, People are spending all day at home. So you see these memes is that people are joking about drinking wine at two in the afternoon. Those people are drinking wine at 11 a.m. And it's going to we're going to have a serious issue with alcoholism at the end of this. I'm looking at you, Chrissy. I'm quietly <laughs> laughing. Chrissy, how much wine are you drink? I've had to, I've had to really on- pay attention and restrict myself on my drinking. Yeah, that's that's what I'm doing, too. I'm like, you know, let's just uh, not go there for a little bit. We'll just hang out at home without it. Well, it's pretty easy when you're like, I don't have to drive anywhere today. Well, that's the thing. You wake up and you're like, at noon, I'm bored. What am I going to yes, do? Exactly. You know, sip on some wine. I'm bored. I don't have to go anywhere. I might as well have a vodka Red Bull. Right. Exactly. So yeah. hopefully, you know, hopefully we can all kick that. That would be great. <laughs> so what? These are new feelings for a lot of people, right? These are a lot, a lot of new feelings well, people that have never like, experienced. Like, how? What? What are some warning signs? Because sometimes I know for me, if I'm not careful, I can get to some dark places real mm-hmm. fast. But if somebody, or if, well, if I can kind of put up a little obstacle there, kind of to slow me down or to stop me, like I, to I, stay out of your head. I know what the warning signs are for me, right? So, what are some ways that people that aren't familiar? I'm wording it around how, a million how, how do people know that they might need to do something to make themselves feel better? Thank you. Yeah, no problem. I'm that person. So I get it. I think that there's a few ways people can know. I think that one, when you're just not feeling motivated and you're seeing your motivation continue to decline, um, that might be a sign that you're in some troubled areas. Um, if you're not 
talking to people that you typically talk to if you're not staying connected, if you find yourself watching Netflix for three days in a row, um, these are, are overeating, over drinking. Like if you find yourself utilizing coping skills, you know, in a harmful kind of way, these are all signs that maybe you should be reaching out to somebody. And I think that in this current time, every single one of us should be reaching out to people somehow, some way. Yeah, Because absolutely. even for me, I'm a therapist. I have a bucket load of skills, tons of them, right? But you're still human. And I'm still human. And I don't struggle with depression and anxiety. Yet this quarantine has brought a lot of those kind of things out in me. You know, so if, if it struggles for me, it has to be struggles for other people, too. Yeah, there have been a lot of memes being shared, and I actually shared it, too, uh, at one point, saying, like, you know, welcome to our club, everybody, from all of us who have s severe anxiety. This is how I feel every day. Yes, and I can't even imagine for people who already struggle with depression, anxiety, what it must be like for them to have all these things going on right now, yeah. you know, and to be disconnected and to not be able to utilize Really, any coping skills that I would tell somebody to utilize. Yeah. And I want to give a piece of advice as well, because a lot of us, you know, we're isolated with our spouses or boyfriends, girlfriends. Be careful on dumping out on them, too, because I know I was sharing a little too much with Chrissy, right? <laughs> like, I, because I get all excited about things. Oh, look at this. I found this out. Ah, and then I'm anxious. And then I share with her. And then she gets anxious. And she just finally had to say, don't share no more with me. I can't handle yeah, this. Yeah, I, I had to put down some boundaries. Well, and I think that that is an important thing that we don't really talk about ever. So I'm glad you brought that up, Chris. Like, it is important that we check in on the people that we're venting to, that we're unloading on to make sure that we, they're in a place where they can hear it, where they're in a place where they can support us. Because the last thing we want to do is burn out the people who are closest to us and support us enough. And it's so easy when they're the people that you see constantly. Yes. Well, and when you're not even allowed to see other people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so are you doing like a lot of like video, what do they call that? Teletherapy or something? Remember, telehealth. 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 What, what are your thoughts on that? That seems like a pretty cool option nowadays. It's an all right option. I, there's something much more powerful about being in person with somebody. Like even when you think about your podcast, right? In a podcast, it's a hundred times better. When yeah. everybody's in the studio and you can interact like normal people, right? You can you can feel each other's energy a lot more. When yes, you're in and person. you can see their facial expressions and all yeah. sorts of things like that, right? Right. So there's some real detriment to doing therapy in this way. In in addition to the fact that, like, especially for group therapy, now these guys don't get to be in the same room. They don't get the same kind of cohesiveness that group therapy brings in its healing. It's just not the same. So screens can't really replace. Although it's wonderful we're able to continue services, it will do, and it's not ideal. But thank God that we have something, because relapse rates are high right now. I've already lost a friend. I lost a friend a few weeks ago to overdose. Oh man. Oh wow. From from this. Yeah. Well. From coping. Yeah. yeah she relapsed and and she died, and it's very sad. Yeah. Let's uh, your podcast you do. I want to make sure we're touching on everything that you have going on here. I mean, because you got so much going on, and I want our listeners to be able to kind of tap into everything that you have going on too. Therapeutic Madness. You were saying that's your podcast you do. Tell me about that. What what is this about? So, Therapeutic Madness is a podcast that I started. I've wanted to start it for a long time, and then you know things just aligned when they did for us to start it a few weeks ago. So it's a podcast about all things therapeutic. We have different things we talk about all the time. One thing that I 
that I am very heavily involved in and that I work in is drug policy. So like the overdose prevention site legislation, we were behind that. Thank you, Jennifer Daly Provost, for running that bill and she'll run it again and we'll keep working on it till we have one. So we talk about those kind of things on the podcast. We, I just think like my purpose behind the podcast was trying to create a space where we can talk about these therapeutic issues that affect millions of people um, in a real and pragmatic way that's helpful. You know, because oftentimes we demonize, especially when we're talking about any kind of substances or drug policy, we demonize one side or the other, you know, and that's not helpful. We need to find middle ground. We need to be giving honest information to people. Cause like I said already, people without good information make bad choices. Exactly. So yeah. I wanted to be able to get that real honest kind of truth out there. I'm not a person who walks on eggshells. I'm really quite forward. I'll tell you, you know, where the bear goes in the woods and and so that's very helpful, like when it comes to therapy, like especially when you have a one hour long podcast, it's like, let's get to the solutions here, people. Exactly. Exactly. And I think they're on your website, right? To to watch them because it's like a YouTube, they're video podcast type things that you're doing. Yeah. And then today, actually, I think they all got uploaded onto the like wherever it is podcasts go. I know this sounds crazy, but I don't know where podcasts go. Oh, no, no, that's fine. I was just kind of trying to lead our listeners so they can go check some of them out, you know? Yes. So they today went up on those listening sites, like it went through Podbeam or whatever that's called. And so now it's on all the major places where you can get podcasts. And yeah, so we talk about things like PTSD, lots of drug policy stuff, trauma, trauma therapy, suicide, the list goes on and on. And I'll put that link at IamSaltLake.com with this episode as well, Mindy. There's a couple of Salt Lake City related questions we have to ask everybody that comes on the show. So we got to ask you. Oh, how exciting. I can't <laughs> wait to hear him. No, I'm not Mormon anymore. And no, I'm not a polygamist. No, no. These aren't, you know. Well, here's the thing, right? That's, you have to remember when I started this podcast back in 2012, most people, that's all they knew is to come to the Mormon temple, right? To see that in Salt Lake City. And so I always thought it would be fun. Well, I thought it would be fun to ask people that came on the podcast, like where, where's some places that you take visitors to show them, right? So maybe it's in the mountains, maybe it's in the city, maybe it's the lake, maybe it's a hiking trail, but it's just kind of one of those standard questions. And some people say, some people do say the temple. Some people say the library. Some people say Park City. Some people say you know, a hike to Donut Falls, you know, so I don't know if you have any recommendations. First of all, I need you to send me the name of the person who takes people to the library. Because <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to send them an email about what a loser they are in Utah. Not in a mean way, like in a way that Utah's the best. And there's so many great things to see. Why would you take somebody to a library? Well, it's such a beautiful library, the downtown library. Though, it you is know a what cool I mean? library. All the, the architecture of it, I think it is. is a cool library. That's true. Yeah. But like not like a, a library down south somewhere, the good one. Right, but it's not the arches, right? Even the library yeah, downtown Salt Lake, it's not the arches. We are home of the Mighty Five here in Utah. It's so funny that you'd ask me that because I am probably the biggest fan of Utah of anybody I know. Like when I'm all done with this, I'll probably go work for the Department of Commerce and Tourism. I'm not even joking because I love Utah so much. I want to start a YouTube channel called Staycation Utah where me and my kids film all the places that we go and all the great things you can do in Utah because Utah is so spectacular. I've been to every place that's on Triple D that's here. I, I mean, Utah's just great. So I, the first thing I like to take people to do is anything in one of our five national parks. Okay. Like if I can get somebody down to Moab, that's great. But I also live in Heber. And this is, this is 
God country up here. This is God's country. And <laughs> like, it's just gorgeous, you know? So there's so many things to take people to see and do. Bridalvel Falls is right down the street from my house. Strawberry is one of the best places ever to fish or ice fish. You know, I'm a big snowboarder, so I love to go snowboarding with people. But the thing I'm probably most proud of in Utah is just the cleanliness and our five beautiful national parks. And what about any favorite local eating spots? Do you have like one or two favorite local places you like to go to? God, where do I even begin? No, <laughs> no I know, I know questions like, when we reopen, where's the first yeah, place we, you're running to? When we reopen here, right? When, when we could sit down and, and get a good meal. Well, when I was down in Salt I had to go down to Salt Lake today. And when I, now, when I get the opportunity to go to Salt Lake, I immediately think of where do I want to eat? Because we only have like seven restaurants up here. Oh, so today yeah. I went to the Bayou. The Bayou, if you have never eaten at the Bayou, you need to go eat there. It is a bar, but right now they're doing takeout. Um, but they have the best like Cajun and New Orleans kind of food I've, I've ever had. It's as good as anything I've had in New Orleans. And then the Piper Down. Their Reuben potato skins, they are on point. Mm. Oh, my God. Those are delicious. And their fried pickles. <laughs> they, yes. Yeah. so good. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> so those are just two places. But there's so many. Like, anywhere that's been on Triple D is really good. I've checked out everywhere that's been on Triple D. Diners, drive-ins, and dives, for those of you who do not know. And all of our places are great. Ruth Diner. Ruth Diner. If you're not from Utah oh, and you come yeah. to Utah, you go to Ruth Diner. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful <laughs> drive up that way, too. Yeah. Yes, it is. And you're halfway to my house. So just keep on going. Come meet me in Heber. I'll take you biking or something. <laughs> it's the last house on the right, right? Now, what would right. you? What on would the you, left. On the left, Chris. On the left. No. <laughs> is there anything you would change about, let's say, the Salt Lake Valley, the area? Is there anything you would change about it? In any aspect? So I get to choose any aspect, Chris? You know, it's a very open question, however you interpret it. There is nothing that I would actually change about the Salt Lake Valley. Oddly enough, like even our politics would strike me up the wall because our politicians vote based on their religion. And I don't like that. But at the same time, it's like that religion and those values are part of what makes Utah such a beautiful, safe, loving, friendly place to be. You know, so I actually wouldn't change a damn thing. If I have to keep fighting up kill battles because of that the good that it brings to our state i feel like outweighs the battles i have to have i like that yeah very good answer i'm almost pro i'm probably on board with that because it's like yeah the stuff that it is that's the charm of it the the we'd the, be colorado you know. without it right as much as i'd love colorado boy do i love our big crazy older sister but you know but and but yeah it's not the same like utah really is the friendliest place ever you know like when i go other places i'm alarmed by how as I perceive rude people are because here in Utah, like where I live in Heber, we all still wave to each other. People in Utah, when I tell people from out of state that I know all my neighbors, they're like, you know, your neighbors. And it's like, yeah, I know my neighbors. I know all their children. They bring me casseroles if I freaking have a surgery. You know what I mean? And so Utah is such a beautiful, friendly place and other places are not as friendly as we are. They're not as helpful. They're not as neighborly. Like there are some really wonderful things that come out of Utah. I agree with everything. It's true. <laughs> it's absolutely it, true. Absolutely. It is true. Before we uh, completely wrap this up today, Mindy, first of all, thank you so much for coming and doing the podcast. Is there anything that you were hoping we would talk about that we didn't talk about? Uh, kind of like just open it up while we're still recording and, and kind of give you the floor a little bit. 
I think we have covered, I cannot believe how well you've covered so much stuff in such a short period of time. Nice job, Chris and Christine. <laughs> it's all Chris. He's good at organizing. Very good at organizing. And I would say that the, the one thing that I would leave with people is, you know, the one thing that I'm still really working on and will continue to work on until this policy is passed is overdose prevention sites, which are otherwise known as safe consumption sites. You know, I just, I would like people to look at the science behind them. You know, over 10 million injections, injections of drugs have been done in overdose prevention sites worldwide, and not one person has ever died in an overdose prevention site. That makes overdose prevention sites more effective than naloxone. And so even though when people hear that, they're like, oh, my God, we'd give somebody a safe place to use drugs. Yes, we would. Because otherwise, those people are dying behind your business. They're dying in porta potties at Pioneer Park. They're dying in the Burger King bathroom. And no one deserves to die. And no one deserves to die that way. And no mother should ever get a call that her child died alone in a locked Burger King bathroom. Like, that's not okay. You know? And so the one thing I would just leave is that I, I hope that people. We'll look into the information around overdose prevention sites. We have a bunch of information on our website about it. That uh, that bill will be going forward again next legislative session. And so if you support people not dying, please like support this bill, support having an overdose prevention site in your community. And give the website address again, how people can find this information as well as the masks. Again, if they wanted yes. to get a mask. So www.utahharmreduction.org and then our uh, podcast website is www.therapeuticmadness.com. And our theme song, our intro song is Can I Play With Madness by Iron Maiden. So I really don't know how it gets any better than that. Iron Maiden can't get much better than that. No, you cannot. And if you can, then maybe we won't be friends. No, <laughs> Just kidding. I'm friends with everybody, even people who don't like Iron Maiden. <sighs> Chrissy has a final question, Mindy, that she asks everybody that comes through here. And otherwise, thank you again for coming and doing this. Sorry about all the technical difficulties earlier, but I'm glad we were <laughs> able to uh, get it and do it and, and get this out there. I'm technologically challenged, Chris, so thank you for being patient with me. You're, you're fine. Well, your story is worth sharing, so we appreciate it. Thank you for so much for having me. No, it's, it's, it's been awesome. Um, before we let you go, though, can we have you leave, a li- leave with our listeners a motto or piece of life advice that you live by? So there's two. So one is creating connection through compassion. When you have someone in your life that is behaving in a way that you don't like, don't look at the behavior. Look at what is driving that behavior. Look at what is underneath because that's where you will garner compassion for this human being. So that is an important piece. And then, of course, my favorite from Mahatma Gandhi is be the change you wish to see in the world. Thanks again to Mindy Vincent for joining us on this episode. All the links that we mentioned in this conversation can be found with this episode show notes on our podcast website, which is IamSaltLake.com slash 431. All right, guys. It is the first episode of the month. I believe, what is the date? March or March? I feel like <laughs> it's still thing. March. May 3rd. <laughs> so it's almost Star Wars Day. Happy Star Wars Day if you're listening to this on Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. Anyway, uh, we have some great Patreon supporters. The first episode of the month, I read all of our awesome supporters. We got some great people here. And, and uh, every time I go through this list, I almost want to 
cry because, hey, man, doing a podcast is it's it's a lot of time, money, resources, and in these and it's guys' lonely help. work. Yeah, between our sponsors and supporters and our, and our Patreon supporters, these guys are great. So let's go down the list here. Three Irons SLC, Alex Santi, Alan Martindale, Brandon Hill, Brett A. Schmidt, Brittany Hemingway, which she recommended Mindy Vincent that we indeed, yeah, thanks, Brittany. Recorded with today, Christopher A. Heiser, Dirt in Your Skirt, Eric Tomorrow from Mediocre Show, uh, Jay Chambers, Jeff Hadfield, John Miller, Mark Copeland, Michelle Stevens Williams, Nick Naylor, Nicole Davison, Nikki Line from over in New Zealand, Sana, Tim Haran, Todd Bjorkland. What a Great group of Patreon supporters. Hey, you can become a Patreon supporter for as little as a dollar. Patreon.com slash I am Salt Lake. That would give you all of the information. I want to apologize. Usually I was releasing a lot of episodes early through our Patreon, but with everything going on with the. We got kind of stuck in a weird. Yeah, with the coronavirus, I got kind of, you know, stuck in this weird situation and, and uh, I just wasn't able to keep up with that. So I'm going to try to get back on that schedule for our Patreon supporters. So thank you so much for being patient with that. Uh, oh, I want to mention my other podcast again. I think we were, we just released episode seven of Utah in the weeds. If you have not listened to that podcast yet, please go listen to it. I'm having a blast doing it. It's a great listen. Uh, I'm doing it with Tim Pickett. He's a QMP here in Salt Lake city. And uh, we've talked to cannabis patients. We've talked to, uh, some, some of the local, um, activists and and dispensaries and, and just kind of finding out what's going on here in the local marijuana cannabis community. So Utah in the Weeds is that podcast. Make sure you subscribe. However you're listening to this, you can listen to that. Excellent. And don't forget to access the entire back catalog of I Am Salt Lake podcast while you're in quarantine at IamSaltLake.com. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss a single episode. You all have a great week. Get out and enjoy the city. If you get out for a walk or a quick run, support local, and we'll see you on the next episode. And good night, Grammy. Grammy.